Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and talk to me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. I'm joined today by producer, writer, comedy improviser, voice actor, marketer, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, tinker, tailor, soldier, spy, Mr. Sean Howard. How's it going, Sean? It's going great. I was I was all really living up to that intro until you got to Tinker Taylor, and I'm like, no, nah, I can't stand it. Can't do that? No, nah, it's too good. So amazing. What a great, great movie. Was it a movie? It was a show. I think it's a movie, right? I think so. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen it. I just uh, it came to mind when I was reading your uh, your list <laughs> of professions on your website. There, we were talking just before the show, and, and um, you you said you were working in your business, starting a new part time job. How do you find the time to do so many projects and do that as well? I uh, I was running five sort of ventures, businesses, things, and I'm super excited, Doug, because I'm cutting it down to three as of this week. <laughs> which i think for me is is like thinks like yeah it'll be like that's like that's like a big step it's like wow only three companies to run um yeah i might have a disease yeah i think i have the the same problem but um it can be rewarding in its own ways uh so yeah correct me if i'm mistaken but i'd say your flagship production is alba salix yeah so i think that's probably the first thing in the like entertainment podcast sphere that we sort of put out there and it's it's definitely like the biggest can you tell us a uh, bit about that project for the people who haven't heard it sure albus alex royal physician is i guess if you were to take shrek and mix it with house with a little bit of scrubs and put it in a fantasy like world uh, as an audio fiction podcast you would get albus alex uh, she's a witch doctor trying to hold the house of healing, uh, sort of, and the whole kingdom together. Uh, it's a it's a full cast, uh, fully that's fully scripted. Uh, so that is written by my partner Eli McElveen. I do a little bit of writing. It was really his baby, and uh, I I started just sort of producing, and then started directing, and then started writing. Uh, we're in season two. Uh, we started it in twenty fourteen. I think in our kitchen uh, literally recorded it in our living room the first episode and then uh, sort of over the next year forgot about it and then all these downloads started to happen and so we sort of that was sort of the launch of all the other shows we're now doing was really working on season two and and what are we going to do in the interim what do you think are the greatest challenges in creating an audio fiction Ooh. uh uh making money off it <laughs> uh there's so many uh one of the i don't know i guess the answer i'd say the coolest thing about it is that you can really become like you can really take a really niche idea target at an audience and it'll do really well um the challenge is on a full scripted like 30 they're 30 minute episodes they were like the the first season i think eli was trying to write tv 24 minute episodes uh in length and it was getting the writing done um and you know it it's a lot of time getting without a writer's room that's paid it's it takes us a long time to get scripts um and then of course you're just constantly scrambling right you're, you if you want to hit a certain level of production and you don't have a lot of money to spend 
Um, yeah, it's just a scramble the whole way. But trying to keep fans engaged when it takes us six to nine months to write a season, that's that's hard. So do you release the season all at once? No, uh, we're often <laughs> we're often still doing post production madly up until four a.m. during the you know we might be releasing it every two weeks or um, lately we've been trying to release some of our shows weekly, um, but pr- we generally do every two weeks. Um, so we generally want to have most of it in the can, most of it in production. Um, but but you know Alba as our flagship will only be it'll generally only be six thirty minute episodes will be a season. Um, so it's generally dripped out over every two weeks. You you have another show in the same universe, uh, The End of Time and Other Brothers. What can you tell me about that? I, uh, so I think I was very oblivious to all of the live play RPG stuff, had never heard Adventure Zone, had never heard any of the shows, and we went to, it was only two years ago, we went to the first, uh, well, what uh, was it, PodCon, what is it? I can't remember right now. PodCon uh, in Seattle? PodCon, thank you. That's we uh, where we met, PodCon. actually, you and I. It is, Yeah. it is. And I, I rode in an elevator with one of the McElroy brothers and and uh, had a conversation. They were really funny. And after, I was like, who was that? And then the person I was with was like, are you kidding? And uh, and so I started listening. And, and that's where I sort of became a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy again playing D&D. And, uh, and I was like, I wanted, to, I wanted to create a show that was a live play. But I spent a bit of time. I mean, there's so many people just recording their game. And I spent a bit of time and quickly realized by devouring all of Adventure Zone and a couple other shows, that the shows I loved were all using comedy improvisation. Um, and I was like, that, that's what I want to do again. And I hadn't done that since college. So that's where the idea came from. And then we decided to put it in the same universe because stupid. Um, and so we created a new, it, it started as a pretty traditional live play using Dungeon World. Um, but with a lot of comedy improvisation and I'm pretty proud of where it's grown because now everyone at the table will become characters. It's less and less of there being any kind of game master. It's becoming more and more comedy improv based, which is a lot of fun. And is that long form like a one campaign over multiple episodes? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, same characters now in episode 26 that started, um, it's always going sideways just like a show. Uh, you know, uh, we're actually recording tomorrow and I literally have no idea what we're going to do right now. So um, it, there is a bit of a balancing act. It's not pure comedy improv because like, you know, I sit in that game master seat. So I have to sort of come up with some of what might be in the world that they might come across. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, if you listen more and more, you'll see is just driven by whatever offers are happening at the table. Um, the the fans love our after notes that we do for our fans because I basically just sort of ex- I share what I had for notes and how we did maybe one of those and then it just went sideways. Do you find that any of the stuff that uh, is improvised and comes up in End of Time and Other Brothers makes its way into the the narrative of Alba Salix? Yes, uh, season. Well, first of all, we had a crossover, so we we tried it. So we were like, hey, we we sort of 
we sort of curtailed ourselves, like creatively constrained ourselves by putting it into an existing universe with a story verse that's scripted. So we did our first crossover. So we had Magnus, one of the fan favorite characters, come over for a couple episodes. Uh, and, and yeah, season three will, I think, change based on what it will give nods at least to, right, what's happening in the other parts of the world, which is sort of fun. We've never done that before. Yeah, it's fun having the sort of shared universe. We, we've got that going on a little bit uh, with a couple of shows on our network, the uh, with Everyone is Jonas and Podcast versus Podcast. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to those. I know you talked to uh, Jesse and Sean recently. I haven't. I'll check out those shows. I, I, I love Jesse and Sean. I love the DMs of Vancouver. I listen to that quite a bit. Yeah, they're great guys. Uh, I, w- I was on there uh, around a year ago now. Yeah, they're part of our network. Um, well, what what did you learn from making attention surplus? Whoa, we're going back in time. Uh, attention surplus was uh, probably one of my first podcasts. I guess it would be 2011, way back. Um, that was just uh, me and a really good friend who's insanely smart uh, working at this agency where we wanted to kill ourselves and the president of the agency was demanding that we be in this like YouTube show that he had and we didn't want to do it so we 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 launched our own show that we recorded in the office at first um, and uh, what did I learn from it what I loved about it was that we were really digging into uh, this idea of of how do you choose, right? How do you find what matters for you? Like, how do you do something that brings you something of value? Uh, how do you take a leap? How do you whatever? So that's probably where my Taking the Leap show came from was those conversations I had with Eric, with interviewing some guests. Um, we learned a lot, right? It was our first show. So we started with a USB mic and quickly moved up to, you know, actual mics and um, better gear and then better production um, but it was it was a pretty amateur show, right? It was just two people talking. Um, so I I didn't have the bug yet for fiction. Um, I guess I guess I was I guess what I learned too was that I, I wasn't that excited, right, about it. After a while, both of us just sort of it just died, right? We just let it go. Was that uh, when another project picked up, or was there a lull between that project and then coming back into it? Oh, yeah, no, it just became another discarded project on the path of my life. Um, yeah, I, I know yeah. all about those. <laughs> it was another thing we launched into the world with. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we just, I think uh, I was leaving the agency. Uh, Eric was, was doing a lot of new things, starting a brewery. Really cool. And, uh, yeah, we just sort of, and I think it just sort of like we stopped having, I don't know, we just didn't meet as often, right, when, months would go by and then we'd be like, we should record an episode, but we just weren't in it, right? Our hearts weren't in it. Um, and the listener counts weren't that great, right? So it wasn't like highly motivational, right? To see, you know, our hundred fans, right? Haven't responded. Yeah. I'm sure it was more than that, but. Um, Everyone is Jonas is a live streamed competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cave goblins every Monday at 7.30 p.m. PST. You talk as well about that you got the bug for fiction storytelling. What is your preferred medium for storytelling? Oh, it's audio. Dear Lord, is it audio? Um, 
it's funny like right now i'm doing um i'm doing a lot of improv here in town in hamilton and then at bad dog theater and a little bit of socap and in toronto man i prefer the mic doug (laughs) and it's funny because i was once a professional juggler for a number of years that's how i lived right so the stage busking I have some connection to that world, but man, do I find it more freeing in audio, like being on a mic around a room, just making eye contact. I don't know. I'm just like, it's in the zone, right? It's the zone for me. So going on stage is, is fun, but it's, it's really challenging, right? It's, it's, uh, it pushes me. Um, but I love audio. I love it more than I ever thought I would. Uh, It was never, as a kid or anything, it was never my, I never thought I'm going to work in radio. You know what I mean? I never had a, a radio job. I never thought I would want to work in audio. It's something liberating about it. It's, it's easy to, easier to make edits on the fly. Like part of my day job, I read some voiceover and um, it's, the script's usually written by someone else, but I can be reading it and mid-sentence make an edit yeah. without having to change anything. It's just a, more natural. When you're writing, you've got to stop your momentum, backspace. All sorts of things like that. Well, part of it, I guess, is that it's an edited medium too, right? Which isn't really fair to the stage. There's something really powerful and live. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess it's there's a bit of a safety net too, right? You know that you can just take a line again really fast. Uh, I've got to be honest. I, I prefer the, uh, the having the fire under my ass of the live performance. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm always super stressed beforehand. So I mentioned... Yeah previously and in the show and sorry to plug our own stuff again but everyone is jonas we do that live every monday and um nice yeah and before the show because it's a game it's it's sort of like have you ever played everyone is john no it what it is is a competitive role-playing game where there's three players and only one player character and they only one of them can control him at once and they're fighting for control of him and it's set in modern day vancouver and so the, the guest and the, my two co-hosts are always really excited beforehand because they're about to play this game. And then I'm sitting back here behind my computer with the mixer and trying to make sure the internet doesn't cut out and the cameras <laughs> and the lights. And I'm just shitting myself beforehand every week, getting really frustrated. And then I just have a blast for, for an hour and a half. Me too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, and it's I, a rush. I, I agree there is a rush of the live stage and the audience. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I, it's Yeah, it, and I'm pushing. Like We have a troupe. So Eli, who does all the, the amazing sound production work on our shows, um, he's now sort of joined our, our long-form theatrical troupe, and we're actually bringing him on stage. So he does live real-time sound effects. He has one of these little boards that has like 120 buttons on it, and he's programmed it, and, uh, and he's trying to find music on the fly, and it, it's... I love that. Like, I love trying to pull off a, a theatrical experience, all improvised, um, and somehow doing that seems more like being on an audio mic than um, a montage long form. That just, you know, I don't know what it yeah. is. Uh, How do I get so an I Eli? <laughs> uh, how do I not lose an Eli? Is an ongoing thing for me. Uh, uh, yeah, I, he. It is amazing. Uh, he. It's a little bit overkill. Um, like he's he's so brilliant, but he'll he'll stay up till seven a.m. coming up with a different pod sound for each of the three. I just learned that in Civilized, our latest full improv dark comedy, 
every time there's a pod sound, the, the beep sound at the beginning of it opening is a little different for every character. And I was playing it for the cast. And I think by the seventh time I played it, we could almost hear the difference, but it was so subtle. Uh, we actually couldn't really hear it. It was pretty funny. So Master of his craft. He is. He's, he works really hard at it, and it shows, I think. So you do some writing as well. I actually reached out to you after I read that uh, rather enlightening, enlightening Medium article on the growth of your Patreon. Oh, yeah. Thanks. What can you tell us about your Patreon journey? Oh, I can talk about that forever. I love it. Um, okay, so we had a Patreon. Well, let's see. What was Alba? There's a connection between... I'll back up. I'm sure everyone knows what a Patreon is, but in case they don't, right? It's a service where people can give monthly and gain access to different tiers based on how much they give to you, the creator. So when we started, uh, I'm just trying to remember where Alba was in downloads. Alba was probably in the the 30-day 1,500 downloads when we started our Patreon. Um, and there's definitely a correlation between downloads and or reach, right? Your audience reach and how much you can make off Patreon. But our Patreon was sitting like at, it would go up to $20 and it would drift down to 15. And, and I think on my chart, one of my charts, it was like that for over a year or almost two years. It was just like, just doing nothing, right? It would sometimes it would go up to 30, 40 and then it would start drifting down. And, and, and I, we were insane. Like as, as, like you, I have so many businesses. We have so many things going on. We're trying to devote more and more of Eli's time to the audio. But then I'm trying to find out where to, you know, how to pay for grocery bills. And so the idea of having to put a ridiculous amount of effort into the Patreon when people are giving a dollar a month on average at that point in time just seemed insane. It was ridiculous. Um, but, but basically what I did is one day I said, it's ludicrous that we're not making money. And there was a bit of a feel at that time that in the audio fiction world, the podcast world, a lot of people were saying you can't make money on Patreon. And so one day I was just searching Patreon and I just started to make a list of accounts that were making 5,000 a month, 20,000 a month. Uh, Mission to Zix was in the three, 4,000 a month. I just started going through this list. And by the end of it, I was like, we got this wrong. We've had this wrong the whole time. And so I sort of set out and said, all right, I'm going to try and figure out how to go from this $30, $40 a month to $1,000 a month and try and figure out how long that takes. What does it take? And so I started to document the journey, and I decided to release the, the data, the screenshots of our data and how much we're making and what we're trying because I couldn't find any resource out there that really helped somebody get started over that first hurdle up to $500. Everything from Patreon was, here's how you go from 1000 to 3000 and so that's how it started. And I just kept, just keep releasing it as we go. So how did you get to that, that first, uh, that first 500? And, and I'm fervently taking notes right now. <laughs> I, I, I'll have, I have to guess right now. I don't have it up in front of me, but I think it took us about 18 months, Doug, to get to the 500 mark. And we're just there now. And now we're trying to go to the next, the, oh, there's so much. The biggest insight I can give someone that wants to grow their Patreon is to uh, go out and spend 10 to $15 a month 
go and join. Find three people who are close to your your tribe, your thing, your interest. Find three other creators who are making four to five times what you would hope to make. Uh, you know, if you want to make a thousand, find people that are doing five thousand a month um, and become a patron. Like, spend the money, spend that five bucks, go into their second tier. Uh, or their first tier, if they're crazy, that's their $5 tier, whatever. Spend some money on all of them and then take notes. And the biggest insight and the part that I think is the most challenging for creators is it's not about the value of the $5 to us. Because I don't know about you, but $5 a month doesn't cover even having this conversation, let alone write any bills or anything. The value of that $5 is determined by them. And it's also determined by how much the other creators on Patreon shower people that give $5 a month with gifts and value, right? So I realized that I had a, the, like the value equation all wrong. Um, someone giving me $5 a month, they're paying me almost as much as Netflix. And um, even in Canadian dollars. And in we were looking at it differently. And so when I started following these other people, I realized that they were giving out bonus audio episodes that were beautifully produced and were amazing for $5 a month. Uh, they were giving something out at a pace we couldn't even come close to matching. We were updating our Patreon, you know, maybe once a month and something valuable every three months. Uh, the people I followed were giving me something amazing every week. And... And so we changed up how we we're thinking about Patreon. We had to sit back and say, how do we take on this level of work and not drop the ball? And how do we do that slowly? And you know, now we have Farwarian Fridays where we give something every Friday to our patrons at all levels. We have bonus episodes. We have deleted scenes. And so um, it's really about creating that exclusivity of content and, and, and creating the machine <laughs> that can deliver that without you going insane. Um, or too insane. Oh, great! That's a that's a lot to take in, and um, it's it's a lot I hadn't thought about, like what you said of it being almost the same price as Netflix. I I really hadn't thought of it that way before. Yeah, we're we're asking them to, and and yeah, like they can get three thousand shows, or or they can get my little drip of content, right, for the same price. But the it doesn't come from the same place in their head, right? I'm switching into marketing talk, but. Right, like they're they don't think of it the same way, but value wise, it is an interesting way to think about it, right? Um, but someone that's giving to you for five or ten dollars is not comparing that spend to their Netflix and their cable, it goes in a different package in their brain. But the people that do want to spend five, ten, fifteen, or twenty dollars a month, or even fifty, they want access, they want in, they want behind, right? They want they want more Doug. They wanna, they wanna really connect to not just what you create, but who you are, and how you deliver that is, yeah, that's the trick. But it is doable, right? And so helping other people, um, I've seen other people start to grow their Patreons once they start to get their head wrapped around it. Um, but the, you know, I'm actually working on part nine right now, and I just interviewed uh, the Amelia podcast guys over in Europe. Such an amazing show, amazing crew, amazing bunch. Uh, Oyston and Pip are just so amazing. But I was very interested in how they, almost everyone, I don't wants to give away 
like scripts or production notes or stuff that's easy for them to give away and that's not what people want right they want uh, they want a show no one else gets to hear they want the they want the stuff that's hard to produce if you use medium or even if you don't you can follow sean at a, i think it's at sean howard on medium is that right i i think it's under my twitter pass it along uh you but you can also you can find that at fable and folly if you go to our production company i link to all the articles there Cool. Uh, we'll link everything we can uh, on the website. Um, is there anything else you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Um, yeah, uh, we got a new show that we've launched. It's uh, it's our first fully improvised uh, comedy. It's a dark comedy sci-fi called Civilized, and you can find it basically everywhere. Episode three is now out. Uh, they're short. They're like 15, twelve to fifteen minutes, um, and it was really fun building uh, like. Building a building a crew, a cast, um, you know, because we're in a small town and sort of building that, uh, getting all those people in one room that are comedy improvisers. And that's that's my latest project, and I love that I don't have to write any scripts. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah. Where can people follow you and find uh, more of your work? So Fable and Folly Productions is our production house. Uh, you can find me all over Twitter and a bunch of places at Pass It Along. And yeah, and I have my own website, seanhoward.ca. Um, I don't know what's up there, but uh, you know, and enough to research an episode of comedies like us. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, my old stuff is all there. Well, thanks so much for coming, Sean. Talking to me today. This was great. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow the Cave Goblin Network on all social media at Cave Goblins, or check out what we're doing over on CaveGoblins.com. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or Podchaser. It's the best way you can help the show for free. If you're feeling a little more generous, head over to patreon.com forward slash cavegoblins for some exclusive content. I've been Doug Vandalay, and this has been Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.